this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast with me k bharat kumar the headline in a recent article was arresting it said india fears losing out to china in smartphone exports race Another broke the news that Mexico had overtaken China in 2023 for the first time in 20 years as the largest exporter to the US. One more said loud and clear at that that India should realize that Vietnam and not China was its major competitor. There are a few dots we can connect to see a common thread in all of these that should interest us. One, the world does want to move away from China from a global supply chain's perspective. but that cannot be done in entirety overnight because of the scale that that country has built and two there are indeed some parts of the global supply chain that have begun moving is india poised to benefit from this what lessons does the china model hold for us and what is it that countries such as vietnam are doing right to bolster foreign investments that are in turn spurring those countries exports to gain some insights into geoeconomic developments We spoke to Biswajit Dhar, Distinguished Professor, Center for Social Development. Hello and thank you, Professor, for sharing your time with us today. Since 2019, when the government announced um, to incentivize new manufacturing units, investors from abroad setting up new manufacturing units, we had a flat 15% rate. Uh, probably with the thought that you know, we need to compete with the likes of Vietnam. And that's five years now, and some water has flowed under the bridge. and then we also had the pli scheme and so on and so forth uh but from what we speak to manufacturing industry people the quantum of investments uh and possibly thanks to pli in some sectors has been very good our export performance has been very good likely in mobile phones and related electronics but in others we've not uh, done as well as we would have wanted to and uh, then we you know i came across a bloomberg uh, article headline that said uh, china is not the competitor to india but vietnam is so we should know who we are competing against and so on so forth uh, so that being the uh, thought process in the industry currently and of course a lot of positivity uh, around our economic growth emanating from the government uh, saying we're the bright spot in a gloomy global environment and all that how well do you think we have done as far as attracting investments um to spur both exports and to help bring down costs for domestic consumption yeah uh, i think there are uh, there are several problems there you know you you mentioned about the incentives that the government has given and uh, well, and the pli is also offering substantial uh, incentives as well the, those 14 sectors identified sectors but you know like you said except i think uh, mobile phones the performance uh, the pli hasn't actually done as well as we sh- we expected it i recently wrote a long article uh, and uh, analyzed the whole pli scheme and i must say i was very disappointed to see the performance because i think this was one uh, scheme that we were expecting we had high expectations of and we thought that you know for the first time the government has actually put the nuts and bolts together uh for the revival of the manufacturing sector um and and all that talk that we have been you know we have heard successive governments make from 2006 that you know they want to wants to 
take the manufacturing shares, uh, share of manufacturing GDP to about 25%, you know, 10% uh, in, in 10 years. And it, it was a kind of a, you know, sort of shifting uh, uh, goalpost. Uh, and it kept happening. It, it uh, happened at, in the make in India in 2014. But, uh, but when the PLI came and then the incentives prior to that, uh, given to the tax, tax breaks and the reduction of tax rates, um, uh, we thought that, you know, there was, um, uh, the government really meant business and, and we're really going to see something uh, uh, come out of that. Now, the, 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 the problem is that I think there are certain basic things about an industrial policy uh, that uh, needs to be kept in mind and the policymakers haven't done that uh, uh, in, in, when, when, when they're designing the PLI. The first thing is that you know you don't have an you don't get an industrial policy getting uh, getting off the ground or taking off without an innovation policy you know uh, put together because you know in today's world when you know technologies are are moving so fast you can't be saying that you know I'm going to be setting up a manufacturing facility today and that's going to serve me for the next ten years. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah? And I've got a technology and I'll, I'll put it, uh, you know, look for 10 years. There has to be constant sort of upgrading. And we all know this. This is a, this is the truism, the world we live in today. And we have to do that. Now, we haven't actually uh, uh, done that. You know, we haven't actually been able to do that. The second is that, um, uh, you know, the, the name of the game, and China has taught us this, is scale economies. Yeah. So you can't actually have uh, these manufacturing uh, capacities uh, spread over a large number of companies, small companies. Um, the MSMEs can do the backup in terms of you know providing certain you know intermediates and all that. But upfront, when you are talking about say any 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 sector that you think of, you need scales. And uh, I always say that. Uh, the 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 uh, magic of scale economy is something that we learned we studied only in the class in the textbooks but what it could be in reality is what china has shown us yeah so things when uh, the government went out and looked for potential candidates to uh, implement the pli scheme and here i'm going to be dwelling on the pli scheme for for the moment then it, that should have been kept in mind you should have seen uh, who can deliver? Because again, industrial policy is about picking winners. Um, you can't uh, just go and uh, you know give licenses to whoever and do whatever. Yeah, and uh, and the third thing is that uh, you can't you can't be too nosy. Yeah, like you said that you know ease of doing business. The government can't be too nosy. Yeah, and what it seems by looking at the PLI scheme that in many ways we are getting back to the license control raj yeah because the government is telling telling the, the producers how much to produce for getting what, what kind of incentive um, and then this incentive level goes up as you produce more now all that means that there is going to be an inspector so inspector comes in and says oh you produce this much i'll give you this much yeah and then so so this is not like what it should be yeah and um, and finally, and I, here I would actually try to move into what Vietnam did. There is there doesn't seem to be any uh, sort of uh, clear clear vision 
as to what this these manufacturers, the new manufacturers are going to be doing. Are they going to be producing for the domestic market or, or exports or both? Yeah. Now, given the, uh, you know, the, the, the period in which PLI scheme was announced, that was, you remember, the rhetoric was uh, vocal for local, Atmanirbhar. Yeah. So it was actually set in the stone that we are too dependent on China and we are now going to be producing everything in here. Yeah. Uh, and now the moment you do that, you go back to the earlier, earlier era of import substitution. Yeah. Then you start thinking in only in terms of a closed economy framework. You don't give um, importance to the uh, export markets. Yeah. With, you know, if you have to design an industrial policy that actually caters to the export market, and you know, then you do completely different things. Then you do the things that I mentioned that, you know, you bring in innovation, you want to make it more competitive, see the scale economies are, you know, so uh, are, are, are realized. So all those things are put into the uh, framework. Now, that's the big difference between India and Vietnam. Now, Vietnam, as you know, is... Uh, is a, is, a, is a super exporting uh, economy. Yeah? It's completely export-oriented. And uh, after China, I would say, this is the country which is actually, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, imitated exactly what China did uh, and uh, became really focused on the export market and, uh, and, and did everything that is required to do to put the manufacturing sector on a sustainable and a... And a, and, a, and a growing pathway. So what does that mean? So one, again, the difference between India and China, they, they developed all the right kinds of skills that are required for, you know, really uh, allowing a manufacturing sector to take off. So in terms of uh, the skill uh, sets available in Vietnam, they're highly skilled, yeah? And again, this is... Uh, a, a very uh, a similar story as you know, like like China, and uh, they're able to um, uh, utilize that skilled uh, workforce. That's a serious problem here. Uh, we, you know, after more than a decade, well, well uh, the, the, all these uh, skill initiatives happened in the, in, during the UPA period, uh, and um, uh, for after uh, more than a decade, we actually don't know where we are. Yeah. So uh, we haven't been able to uh, uh, get our act together. So sorry to interrupt, but since you mentioned skill, I thought I should bring this question in here. So the industry in India that employs the maximum, at one point it is a tea industry with the very low skill, but then the IT services overtook the tea industry in the mid uh, early 2000s. And then even then we didn't have a skilled manpower skill that is required for IT service. So when we used to speak to these uh, top sponsors of IT companies, they used to say, you know, it's the lack of tax. The SCPA scheme gave them a tax-free status if they exported for whatever revenue from export. They said it's actually, um, you know, it's a misnomer. You're taxing us in terms of having to train our workforce. But if I get in a fresher and for six months, CP is not billable, he or she is not billable. That's one form of tax. I have to buy my own water and it's uh, I mean, they used to say also roads but it's actually true sir in uh, chennai that's what happened uh, in one manufacturing unit that uh, i think the prime minister of the time was supposed to inaugurate the road from the highway into the, um, the gate to the gate of the manufacturing uh, unit 
was not ready so they actually had the unit had to buy privately red carpet so that you know there is no mishap in terms of the primates tripping and all that so even roads sometimes the local roads around these units had to be built by these um, it services companies so they don't save your tax fee indirectly there is some form of tax so having learned lessons from that in pli do you think we could have said look you know the pli scheme would uh, you know become applicable to this unit if you uh, show proof of having trained so many people for your um, uh, you know your uh, manufacturing uh, factory or whatever do you think that would have worked because there is a huge gap between skill required and skill available there is no denying that in india and more and more college graduates coming out but not employed yeah no i just coming to that because you know see the on, on a different since you brought this issue up on the on the on the skills and uh, give it give it another dimension i would also say that look uh, for a long time uh, you know there used to be this uh, discussion in, in some quarters still is that what are the what are the basic uh, uh, you know sort of ingredients that a foreign company is looking at what are the um, uh, you know factors that Uh, the foreign companies are looking at in a in a host country uh, which which uh, tells them that this is their investment destination yeah so there are these issues you know things like uh, there would be uh, you require large markets you you know you uh, you you need large markets so you'll go and invest there you need some resources you, uh, you know critical resources like raw materials you go there and then one of the thing that was discussed uh, from the 90s was that you know they also need cheap labor force yeah and 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 to compete so so you know india is the right desti- destination for foreign companies because we have a large uh, army of uh, you know cheap workforce but then when when and of course um, uh, there's more to it but you know many ana- analysts missed it and then they kept on were doing this kind of an analysis saying you know what is happening they couldn't understand why this was happening because investment was not coming in here investment was going to china foreign investment yeah so why is it that india you know and we have a we are liberalizing a foreign 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 investment regime but still investment is not coming so what what is the what is the problem the problem is that it's not skills that they're looking at they're also looking at efficient workforce and uh, uh not not cheap cheap labor wage they're looking at wage they're looking at skills and efficient workforce so like you said that you know the foreign investors don't have the time and and they're not going to be doing this uh they're not going to be investing in the 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 basics of a country because you know let us let us be fair to them because there are a lot of criticism against foreign investors that the foreign investors are 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 uh, mandated to make money so their shareholders are having asked them to actually get as much of profits as possible that's it so they will cut costs and they will try to maximize you know that's a rational rational commercial firm that's how they do it ah. so when when the governments had come and told us that look you know foreign companies are going to investing in infrastructure foreign companies are going to be creating skills yeah so you're bucking up the wrong tree yeah so these are the things the government is supposed to be doing like china did so china build the infrastructure and that's exactly what the vietnamese are doing yeah build the entire infrastructure and and convey a very clear message to them look you just have to come in here start producing and make your money yeah and and china as we all know have this special economic zones where it is plug and play yeah everything is there you know went to one of the special economic zones in uh, near beijing 
So even workers' dormitories were built by the government. Um, and then what happens is that when the investor is interested and, you know, and like this uh, um, uh, special economic zone has a, has a, has a port like Tianjin, uh, you know, about 150 miles away. And then there is this, you know, that uh, fast train, uh, which covers 150, 50 kilometers in 30 minutes. Yeah, so so all that is there. So when the investors are coming in, of course, you know, they've been layered, then the government can negotiate. Yeah, and and they have negotiated all kinds of things. Yeah, including tech transfer. Yeah, uh, and, and making Chinese companies work with these big uh, multinationals and sitting there and sponging their technology. You know, that's the thing. So, so the multinationals and very few are complaining even now they're not complaining that much that this has happened because they're making their own they're making their money now on each count india is actually falling behind now for instance we had this SSZ policy in 2005 yeah and and what was if you look at the policy it was said that we're going to provide world class, world class infrastructure uh, and uh, and one of the things uh, uh, so Maybe, you know, there are a few studies which showed there was some infrastructure. But what you had mentioned in, in between that, you know, the road from wherever the, for the prime minister to go and inaugurate, the road was non-existent. So what has happened that SEZs have the infrastructure, but from the SEZ to the port, there is nothing. Yeah. So it makes it unattractive. So when the SEZ policy was announced, they were, you know, the, uh, you know, the number of SEZs which are registered are all over, I think, 450 plus. And how many are functioning? Hardly. Huh? Uh, properly, I would say. So I think what has happened is that uh, once you you miss this whole thing about being export-oriented, that you have a market where you have competition and they have discerning consumers will not take a substandard product, yeah, uh, because that's the other other leg of it. So pharma companies are getting into all kinds of trouble. We are not able to get good quality product as cons consumers, and we know the difference very well. But we can't do anything because uh, you know we can't just go and start start buying imported products. But that is the problem. So if the if the government can't talk to the business. Uh, because the business is still not, you know, because business is very happy that they have this large internal market. Yeah, even 150 million middle class is a market they are not going to get anywhere in the world except China. Yeah, so uh, so fine, you know, I'm going to make, we are going to invest, produce whatever, and and sell it to the domestic consumers. I don't have to do anything in terms of looking at the export market. Now, I think this is the the problem that you know, country which was completely devastated ravaged in this in the 60s and started in the 70s in 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 the um, short period of time is way, way way ahead of india in terms of a destination uh, for foreign investors and and, and we are still uh, you know scraping the bottom bottom of the uh, pot so it's an interesting point you make um, professor so which means i don't know i'm putting a number here this so we are 10 years behind because if I have to start investing in skills, infrastructure, maybe we'd be able to do this quicker, maybe even two, three years if we put all our mind, muscle, and money into it. But skills the skills. Without manpower, you cannot have a healthy manufacturing sector, even with a lot of uh, robotic uh, interventions. 
So we are about 10 years behind. Do you think we can catch up? What exactly do you think India should be doing now, going forward from now? No, you know, even even infrastructure. See, I think, like I said, it's a, it's a mindset issue. So, like, since in the, since the 90s, after the uh, you know, economic reforms, since then, we have been hearing about port reforms. Yeah. And, and improving the turnaround time in the ports. Yeah. We are still way, way behind, say, a country like Vietnam. We are still talking in terms of days, and they are these guys are talking in terms of hours. Yeah. So my short point is that if your priority was exports, yeah, then you would actually invest where it is. So all of us do the, exactly that, huh? So when we need something, we put money there, huh? Otherwise, we are not going to be wasting money there. So it almost seems that that is not something that interests us, huh? It at least interests the government and the business, yeah. And uh, otherwise, uh, the, the business, if it was interested in, in the exports, they would have come and rung the bell here huh? in, in the ministries that matter, huh? that look, hey, you know, do something about the port infrastructure. We wouldn't have seen a situation where, you know, on, uh, this thing, Honda comes and sets up a facility in, 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 in near, near Chennai and then... Uh, creates its own birthing facilities because government of, if it relies on burnt government of India, it is just going to go uh, go crazy. Uh, so they came here for the market, but then when they were relying on the on the value chains and then they were importing companies, they found that you know they 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 they, they just can't do business here. So so they went and invested in the birthing facilities in the Chennai port. Yeah, this is Hyundai, Hyundai, right? Korean company Hyundai. Honda, Honda. Now Hyundai and uh, and and Maruti uh, Suzuki, their facilities near Delhi. So the Japanese are putting money on the Mumbai in uh, you know Delhi, Delhi Mumbai that the that, that industrial corridor, Delhi Mumbai industrial corridor. So they waited long enough, realized that the government is not going to do that. They need a dedicated corridor, so they are doing it. Yeah. So so this is what is happening. So when when uh, governments, foreign governments are backing their companies who are actually interested in exporting, our government is not pushing our, um, our, our companies to participate in the global markets and in exports. So it's very interesting. It probably uh, negates my uh, you know final question on the topic. So I was about to ask you if uh, free trade agreements with specific blocks of company countries or you know specific countries, like the UK, Australia, and UAE, we've had so far, and we're working on one, not UK, we have not, uh, we're working on one with the UK. So these actually are maybe important, but they're not critical is what you seem to say. So even if I just looked up, and I don't know how dated this uh, piece of information is, Vietnam has some 18 uh, uh, FTAs, including RTAs, and India has about 13. So does not make a difference if we don't have the building blocks in place? Uh, is that, would that be your opinion? Yeah, no, I think, you know, see, India, if you look at, uh, if you see in terms of the major FTAs, then then we have uh, three, three FTAs, the major ones, huh? ASEAN, Japan, Korea. Yeah, the UAE thing, you know, it's not a kind of, a, you're doing it, that it for the round report, you know, doesn't, doesn't really matter that much. Australian uh, FTA is a early harvest, so it's not a full uh, FTA, it's... Uh, and as compared to that, the number for um, uh, Vietnam is 16, and they are negotiating with EFTA, the the you know the uh, European Free Trade Area, Switzerland and Latin China. Now, 
uh, and then they are they are into these uh, uh, the sixteen include RCEP from which we we came out CPTPP which is the TPP you know the uh, minus the U US and uh, and of course the free trade agreement with the European Union yeah and uh, Vietnam is actually benefiting from all these FTAs yeah now one other thing I must say is that. Uh, uh, when the TPP negotiations were taking place, the U.S. had actually imposed a very strong, very, you know, um, uh, I thought uh, uh, stringent condition on the on the Vietnamese that they have to reform their uh, their labor laws. Yeah? And they have to bring the labor laws in conformity with the ILO conventions. Yeah? Uh, all those. Now, now, as you know, we have not signed, we have not ratified two critical ILO conventions huh? and uh, and the government is going on the other side and my uh, uh, you know my understanding is that the our, our FTA with European Union is going to fail on this count because the European Union will not accept any FTA without a labor clause yeah now uh, if you look at uh, uh, so there is this hesitation or, or, or reluctance on the part of the government, uh, to give the workers their due, yeah, uh, and and today, if India has to participate in the global value chains, there is something called due diligence, which has been pushed by the OECD, by the European Union, and all along the value chains, you they they ensure that you know there is human rights uh, are are ensured, labor rights are protected to the full 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 extent. You can't have it otherwise, yeah. But I don't really understand, you know, why we just want to look at look the other way. Yeah. Because here is a country like Vietnam with its socialist past and all those kinds of uh, issues. They transformed the labor market. Yeah. And and participated in FTAs and they do it uh, very willingly and they do it very proactively and they don't have a problem. Yeah. And, and they are they are actually the, their, their workforce is, is progressing. Yeah. So in terms of scales and everything, they they're progressing. So oh, uh, so there is no problem, and and we are are completely on the other side. We don't want to provide give workers rights. We are resistant to signing FTAs because we know that our industries are going to be completely decimated. Sorry to interrupt, sir. So you said when we are going the other side, I thought India intent at least, uh, if not an action, but intent was to protect. Workers' rights because the tire and fire um, culture of the West should not come in here. Or am I mistaken there? No, no, no. Because you know, see what what the uh, what we are uh, doing is that we are actually going in for flexible labor markets. Yeah, and and, and uh, the workers' rights are actually being truncated. This is this is the problem with the labor codes coming in. This is exactly what is happening. Because this is the, this is what the work the uh, the industry wants. Because the industry in India, the businesses in India are surviving on, you know, the entire wage arbitrage. So they keep on pushing the wage wages down to the extent that now we have reached the rock bottom. And, and what has happened is that because we are doing this, I'll just take it one, one minute, the domestic demand has gone for a toss. Because people have don't, don't have any money in their hands. So now we're going to a vicious cycle. Because there is no demand, private investment is not coming in. Yeah. So the government is talking about, you know, crowding in private investment, which Nirmala Sidharaman did, you know, has been doing repeatedly. 
But private sector, year after year, you, you guys have been reporting, it's actually coming down. It's not, not happening. Because investors are not going to put money, they, they can't sell their wares. Simple as that. Yes. So I think, you know, we are, we are so wrong in so many different ways that I, I think the first thing that needs to be changed is a mindset. Yeah. And, and once the mindset changes, I think, you know, time is not really the, the factor. We can do it rather quickly. Um, and uh, how are you going to change the mindset? No one knows. Okay, I think uh, you you glided into the end of the conversation. So this is, this is I think this is very valuable for my episode, sir. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate your time and very crisp answers. Uh, it helps people like us. I think you made it very clear. One, if we set our minds to it, we can do it quickly. Uh, skills, infrastructure, willingness to negotiate as per ILO norms. You know, for FTAs, FTAs are also valuable. Skills are also valuable. Infrastructure is valuable. I think these three counts make a lot of sense. So I'm going to put together. In in brief, I would say physical and human infrastructure. Yeah. So you got to look at both. Right now, we are only talking about physical infrastructure. We are not really paying too much of attention to the human infrastructure, which is critical. Correct. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.